Morning, church. If you don't know me, my name is Vince Nieves, and I am the children's minister here. So it's not necessarily often that you get to see me up here, and I love being up here and getting to speak with you. Before we get going this morning, I would like to share some joy that we had just this last week. Christopher Copeland, where are you at, buddy? I know I saw you this morning. Stand up for me, Christopher. Christopher, there we go. Christopher made a decision um, kind of towards the end of camp and coming into this weekend. And last Wednesday, I had the pleasure of getting to baptize him with his family. And Christopher has chosen Jesus this morning. So let's celebrate that this morning. Let's celebrate that. So. If you see him this morning, make sure you tell him how proud you are of that decision because I know I am, and as a church family, we all are. This morning, I have some questions for you. So I'd like to start with this question right here. Are you a glass half full or a glass half empty kind of person? You know, when you look at this cup, what do you see? Is it, is it half full? Is it half empty? Is it completely full because it's half water and half air? Or are you just a realist and say, it's a glass of water and I'm thirsty, I'm going to drink it, right? Or let me ask you another question here. Have you ever heard the phrase rose-colored glasses, right? You see the world in just this bright pink layer. A lot of times we kind of use that phrase a little insultingly. Um, as when I was doing my research and trying to figure out Kind of where the phrase came from and all that, uh, all that jazz. Every, every time I found something, it was almost always insulting in a way. It was like, oh, poor fella. He, he just sees the world with rose-colored glasses. Or in church words, you just say, oh, bless his heart. You know, you just give him a little. But um, this morning, I would like to talk with you about, uh-oh, that's not good. Will you click the large X in the upper corner there for me? And then go back, to this, go back to that slide with scripture on it there, and hopefully that'll go away. This morning, I want to talk with you about perspectives, right? We, and actually, I get two full weeks to talk to you about perspectives. I'll be up here again next week. And so when I graduated, my wife was still in school. And so while she was still in school, I found a job selling Chevys. And one day while I was at this job, my manager was talking about customers, talking about, you know, you're trying to sell the car, you want them to buy into the vehicle. And he said the phrase, perception is reality. And I thought, what a statement. What, what a thing to say. Perception is reality. Um, especially when one's, any, any one person in here, we could go watch the same movie, we could go to the same event, we could watch the same news story, and the, perspe- the perception that we have of these events would be totally different depending on our background, our experiences, our history, our, our thoughts. And we could go back year by year and say how we experienced COVID differently and our perceptions of COVID and what that was. How we experienced the 2020 election, 2016 election, and any election before that how we experienced um, 9-11. Our experience of 9-11 and others around the world is totally different. And even side by side, we have different stories of what we would, um, what our perception of that event was. So to say that my perception of the world 
is reality, I think that's an easy way to find myself at odds with every single person in this room, depending on the topic that we're talking about. But that was the statement that he made. And so this morning, I would like to talk to you about um, the Israelites. And I'm realizing that my, my scripture on screen is not doing super great. So if you would do me a favor and just uh, click through scripture for me, Joy, and skip, skip the pictures, if you'll just clear all everything and then just uh, go ahead and in the top left-hand corner, there's a large X there. Click that for me and then just go to that first set of scripture and it should come up black and white. There we go. Perfect. So we are going to be in Numbers 13. We're going to be talking with Moses and the Israelites and we're going to be looking at how different people in this story perceive what is happening and what their reality on the ground was. So Moses and the Israelites are approaching Canaan's land. They are approaching the land of milk and honey. So the Lord said to Moses, send men to explore Canaan, which I'm giving to the Israelites. Send one leader from each of their ancestors' tribes. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent these men from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of the Israelites. So one leader from every tribe. So we send out 12 um, what this story is commonly referred to as the 12 spies, right? So we send out 12 spies to go into the land, and each one was supposed to do this. Joy, because of the way things are working, I'm going to ask you to click through my scriptures for me. So um, starting in verse 18 here, Moses is talking to the leaders. He says, see what the land is like and whether the people living there are strong or weak, few or many. Is the land they live in good or bad? And do their cities have walls around them or not? Is the soil rich or poor? Does the land have trees or not? Do your best to bring back some fruit from the land. It goes further on to say that it was a season for grapes, right? So we're sending out a leader from each tribe. Their job is to go and check everything out. Is it good? Is it bad? Is it how many people are there? You know, is the soil good? So we have, a, we have a, an event, right? Just like we talked about earlier. We have an event. We're going to go and we're going to see what each of these leaders comes back and brings us. So as they were commanded, they went and they explored for 40 days. And when they returned, this is what they said. So they it said that they said this as a group, right? So they have all, at least from what scripture says, they are giving the same perception at this point. This is what they reported to Moses. He went to the land where they sent us. It really is a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is some of its fruit. But the people who live there are strong, and the cities have walls and are very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in Negev, the Hittites, Jebusites. Everybody has their own spaces. Here's where they live. Okay, so we have two really interesting pieces here. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, rich soil. They brought back some grapes, right? Season of grapes. And so the food is good. The soil's rich. It's amazing. But there's lots of people. They're really strong. That makes us a little bit nervous. And so before we run into their perspectives and before we kind of talk about what they see and what they come up with, I have a guest this morning. His name is Scott Cox. So if you don't know Scott Cox, Scott Cox is one of our elders here, and he is going to help us, uh, help me demonstrate to you what a matter of perspective shift can change. So we're going to start, we're going to start with the uh, blue marker here. And Scott, 
is going to draw us a smiley face on this board, and we're going to see how well he draws a smiley face. That seems pretty simple, right? We, uh, we're going to go ahead and flip when we're done there. So go ahead and... Not bad. Everybody give Scott a round of applause there. That is pretty easy. When our emotions get in the way of things, or on the opposite end of that, we are not having any emotions at all, we're too logical in certain situations, our perspective can become blurred. Our perspective can change drastically. Sometimes... Uh, Trauma, anger, frustration, sadness, even excitement can blind you to the reality in front of you. So Scott, was that difficult? No. Would, could you do it again? Was there anything impeding your vision to do that? Okay. These, brought to me by uh, one of our officers that works here, are commonly referred to as drunk goggles. Um, these are miserable to look through, and if you're doing it for more than about five seconds, you're dizzy. Um, Scott, I'm going to ask you to put these on for me. All right, and with this black marker here, you are going to do... <laughs> I'm going to ask you to accomplish the same exact task you did before. All I need is a smiley face. All right, Scott, would you like to uh, take those off and see how you did? <laughs> Was that a little more difficult? Was the um, inability to see clearly, I wish I should have brought a mic for you. Was the inability to see clearly uh, helpful or hindrance? It is a hindrance, that's right. Thank you, Scott. Everybody give Scott a round of applause here. The Israelites are about to come back. They're about to give their perspectives, that give their uh, detailed information of the land to their leaders, to their people. And a fun little smiley face can tell us a lot in that without the goggles on, Scott did fine. It's a perfect, happy little smiley face. With the goggles on, you were laughing at the very first thing we did because he couldn't actually even grab the marker correctly, right? His perception was so skewed, his vision was so off that he couldn't even see what was directly in front of him. So, the spies come back with these two perspectives. One of them unclouded and with God in the front of their vision. The other one, we'll call it drunk and full of fear. Uh, starting in verse 30. Caleb told the people to be quiet and listen to Moses. Caleb said, let's go now and take possession of the land. We should be more than able to conquer it. But the men who had gone with him said, we can't attack those people. They're too strong for us. So they began to spread lies among the Israelites about the land they explored. 
They said, the land we explored is one that devours those who live there. All of the people we saw there were very tall. We saw Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak or Nephilim. We felt as small as grasshoppers, and that's how we must have looked to them. Then all the people in, Israelite, in the Israelite community raised their voices and cried out loud all night. They complained to Moses and Aaron, if only we had died in Egypt or this desert. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land just to have us die in battle? Our wives and children will be taken as prisoners of war. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt, they said to each other. Let's choose a leader and go back to Egypt. It goes on in the beginning of chapter 14 that they even thought to plot to stone Moses and Aaron, right? Fear, distrust. It's, it's sowed throughout the Israelites and their perception of something they haven't even seen wants to send them back to Egypt. If you're unfamiliar with the story of Egypt, they were slaves in Egypt, beaten. Their firstborn boys killed off so that they did not outnumber the Egyptians. That was what they were choosing over the promises of God. Over miracle after miracle after miracle, they still are saying, let's go back to Egypt because God may not take care of us again because he has already done so so many times. They're forgetful of God's words. They're in fear of what these men had said. And the men that were there have sown deceit because they are afraid. Blinders to reality. And yet, the perception of the Israelite community. Joshua and Caleb responded this way. They said, to the whole community. The land we explored is very good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us into the land and give it to us. This is a land flowing with milk and honey. Don't rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. We will devour them like bread. They have no protection and the Lord is with us. So do not be afraid of them. Well, many of you know and some of you may not know what happens next. Moses intercedes on behalf of the Israelite people to the Lord. Because at this point, God is angry with his people. And Moses' repentance saves them from plague right then and there. He says, Moses, I will bring you up a new people. I will, bring you, I, will, I will keep you and I will bring you up a new people. Moses intercedes on their behalf and they are saved. But they will never see the land promised to them. One day, or one year, for every day that the spies explored, 40 years in the desert, and every person, but two, but Joshua and Caleb, the old generation will die off and will never see the land promised to them. When my manager at the dealership said perception is reality, I disagreed. I thought that was ridiculous. How can my perception be reality, let alone someone else's perception be reality? Because all we were trying to do was sell cars. Didn't make any sense. That seemed really silly to me. As I am further removed from that comment and have experienced more of the world, I come to believe he may have been right. The truth in our world is often skewed. We have my truth and your truth and my experiences and your experiences. And if I don't have your experiences, I may or may not be able to have a reality of the things that you've experienced. 
because your perception is your reality of the things that you experience. Because I haven't done that, I may not be able to speak to that or be able to understand it fully or be able to do X, Y, or Z, you name it. When someone's perception becomes their reality, the truth becomes skewed. It becomes lost. And it may be correct. They may have a perfect view of the world and they may have their perception and their reality may line up to be exactly what is going on. But we're human. We have emotions. We have rational moments. We have irrational moments. The ten spies who were deceitful and the truth that they were sowing was not the truth that God had promised the Israelites. Whereas Caleb and Joshua were spreading the truth that God had promised the Israelites. And the punishment that came from that, from being disobedient over and over and over and over again, led them to miss the land flowing with milk and honey. Many of you may or may not know, but I turned 30 on Friday, and it was a very exciting day. I got up, I went and got to play some disc golf with my brother-in-law, and believe it or not, I finished that round not uh, very well. I did not play very well, and so I was a little frustrated when I finished that round of disc golf. While I was sitting in my car loading up to go, I, I hopped on Facebook before I, started, got, before I started moving. And there I saw a picture of my grandfather and myself eating some banana pudding. And after a frustrating round of disc golf, I then began to grieve the loss of my grandfather. And so I wear this tie in honor of him today. This is one that he gave me. We have that moment. My son had not finished his birthday gift to me, so I then got to go to a disc golf store and pick out some brand new discs. So, okay, spirits lifted, spirits are good. Uh, when we then went and tried out Taco Town, which, if you haven't been, we quite liked it. It was a little on the pricey side, but we enjoyed it, had a good time there. To receive a text there that uh, my great aunt was in hospice and did not have a lot of time left. A little bit of an up-and-down roller coaster of a day. We finished the taco down, kind of composed myself, and we went to Bahama Bucks. If you're not familiar with Bahama Bucks, a brand new one opened on Adams, and they are based out of Lubbock. So as an LCU student, we spent a lot of time at Bahama Bucks. Trying to figure out what to do with the rest of the day, I get a call saying someone needs help up here at the building to find... 40, 50 plus people to surprise me on my 30th birthday. And it was exciting and difficult, and it was just a roller coaster of emotions. Um, Ellen, hold, up, hold that up for me, will you? You hold that up to the back? Yeah, that. Show that to everybody. I've got about 40 of these at home, if you can't see that right there. And it's, it's my face. And so I opened uh, the room to the gym to see my face um, on in front of a bunch of you. You have blessed me, blessed my family greatly. My perception of Friday's events could be from end to end. It could be a sad day. It could be an exciting day. It could have been, I could see it as the most fun I've had in a while. I could see it as depressing and sad and grief. 
And both of those things could be reality to me. Your perceptions of events, of people, of yourself impact the way you respond, the way you act, and the way you do anything. When fear, distrust, anger, sadness, when those things well up inside you, you don't always make the best decisions. Or in a situation where perhaps you've lost a loved one, perhaps someone has lost a job, perhaps something sad has happened in somebody else's life. If you don't have enough emotion, if you are too logical, your logic cannot help you see the reality of someone else's grief or someone else's emotion. There's a fine balance of perception. And next week, we're going to dive into what does God ask us to have uh, as a perspective? Where should our eyes be focused? Where should our perspective, our perception, actually lie in the reality of God? But my question for you today, the thing that I leave you with today is this. Is your glass half empty or half full? Are your glasses Rose-tinted, drunk, clear? Is there something you have blinders on? Is your perception reality, or is your reality hidden by tinted glasses? Thank you for letting me speak with you today. I'm excited to continue this journey and to find out what God asks of us.